Today, we'll be looking at why the freight market looks incredibly bullish in the short term, but buyer beware, could it be too good to be true? We'll also be looking at how the fuel oil market is reacting to OPEC surprise production cuts. All this and more on Freight Up. Hi there, I'm Fernanda, and welcome to this episode of Freight Up. Each week, we'll be sharing cargo and commodity insights from Freight Investor Services. This week, we'll be chatting with Archie Smith from our fuel oil department to get the latest update from the desk. And Carrie Deal, our head of business development, will be giving us our weekly freight update. Be sure to check out the episode description in your favorite podcast app for all the contact details you'll need. And please follow us if you're not already. And now let's get on with the episode. Freight up! So today we have Archie Smith, our fuel oil broker, joining us. Hi, Archie. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Oh, amazing. Good stuff. So, Archie, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Can you just walk me through what you do day to day? As a broker, to put it in layman's terms, we essentially match buyers and sellers to help market liquidity. Speaking in my role specifically, we help clients to mitigate their risk when it comes to exposure to the fluctuation in oil prices. Clients will want to hedge their oil. We're speaking to a shipping client. They will need to buy fuel for their ships every month or however often. So obviously they are exposed to fluctuations in the prices of that oil. So in order to hedge themselves, they can speak to us about buying some futures, which will lock in a price. So can you explain what hedging is to me? If I'm a ship owner or a ship operator, I will need to buy X amount of fuel oil for my ships per month in order for them to get to A to B. Obviously, I'm then exposed to the fluctuation in oil prices. So if I want to hedge, I will buy the futures of the fuel oil for however quantity I need, however much I need, say 1,000 tons, just for example's sake. And then at the end of the month, so say I buy June 23 fuel oil, at a discounted price, which it is at the minute because the curve is in backwardation. And what that means is the price of a futures contract is cheaper than the current price of if I was to go to market and buy it right now. So I'm going to say, okay, I think June looks cheap. I'm going to hedge myself and I'm going to buy the June futures now. When it gets to June and I actually have to buy the physical oil, what we hope is my futures contract and the physical oil, the difference between those two prices at the time is a profit. So I can then sell when it gets to the end of my month and I've bought my physical June, I can sell my June futures contract and I will make the difference in the price of the contract that I sell and the price of the physical that I actually lift to put in my ships. And that is hedging. Obviously with oil, everything fluctuates. There is market risk, but we are very good at what we do in helping our clients hedge and mitigating risk. So, Archie, if I'm trying to mitigate my fuel oil exposure, how do I get in touch with you? Best way is via email. Uh, my email is archies at freightinvestor.com. Wonderful. And we'll make sure to link that down in the show notes and to include your contact info. So then what's going on with the market today? There's definitely a, uh, a lack of liquidity due to the Asian holiday. So that's drawn out a lot of the players there. There was no Asian session this morning. So when we logged on, we logged on to zero trades. People only started trading as Europe woke up. I believe they're back tomorrow, as far as I'm aware. Uh, there'll be no Asian arbitrage session this afternoon either. Something else of note, the low sulfur euro fuel crack actually settled in the negative territory last night for the first time since mid-March meaning that it is quite literally a cost to refineries to refine the 
low sulfur European fuel law. So, you know, that, that's what's going on today. Uh, I know the Balmo spreads are pushing a little bit, but in a slightly wider scope, the banking crisis of last month seems to very much be behind us in the market. How has OPEC's surprise production cut announcement affected the oil market? Well, naturally, we saw a massive surge in the oil futures prices. Around Sunday, we were trading around 78, 79 level. They surged to touch highs of 86, literally kind of Sunday night going into Monday morning. I know Monday morning trading opened at the 86, the June Brent futures. Since then, we have come off a little bit. There was some counterbalance from the Iraqi pipeline that exports nearly half a million barrels of crude a day via Turkey. That has been shut for a number of weeks. That recently reopened. So that has softened the prices a little bit. Uh, when I left my screen, I think we were trading around 84.80 per barrel, obviously from the highs on Monday of 86, so down about $1.20. But yeah, still much higher than when there was all the trouble with SVB and, and people worried about Credit Suisse. We were tumbling towards $70 a barrel. We were down like 8 9 10% amid all the banking fears, but OPEC's very much kind of sold in the limelight. Saudi Arabia have, have flexed their oil muscles. They've shown what they can do to oil prices and we've researched. Thank you so much for joining us, Archie. It's been a pleasure having you on. We milked you for all your worth. <laughs> Got to get back to work. I didn't know that this entire time you sat there actually working. I thought that you mostly were around to sing Backstreet Boys songs. <laughs> it might seem like that sometimes. So I really enjoyed getting to sit down and chat with Archie. It's an incredible experience to get to work alongside such talented people at the top of the industry. And it's been quite the learning experience for me in general. I've been spending a lot of time studying terminology that goes along with navigating the world of freight and commodities. But I hope you'll continue to join me as I do that. Up next, you're going to hear from what is probably a familiar voice to you. And that is Carrie Deal, our head of business development. And as always, remember, this is your podcast. So make sure to reach out to me with any comments or questions at FreightUp at FreightInvestor.com. That's FreightUp at FreightInvestor.com. So we'd like to welcome back our head of business development, Carrie Deal. We've been just commenting on how fitting your name is, Gary. <laughs> I know people say, do you have a nom de guerre? And uh, no, sadly not. But it does seem like it was ordained from birth, right? Like... It really does, because it would have been absolutely tragic if you became a software developer or something <laughs> exactly, like that. Exactly. You were meant to be at a BD. Exactly. He walked in with a literal like script. He even included banter for us <laughs> in the middle of it. <laughs> He's so prepared. <laughs> it's uh, not my first rodeo. I think this is my 120th or something amazing. podcast. Amazing. And yeah. you, you mentioned to me that you yeah. actually founded the podcast. Yeah, Tom Hughes and myself actually created it during lockdown, and Chris joined us on it. He always had a great podcast voice as well. It's been a few weeks since we've heard from you, so what's been going on? Yeah, quite a lot, actually. The Cape Size market has been seeing some more positive growth over the past week or so after effectively moving sideways for much of mid to late March. The lift has come courtesy of a boom in the C5, that's West Australia to China with iron ore. We've seen loads of shipments on that. That's seen rates climb from region $7.70 to $8.80 per metric ton. That's quite a jump. What could have caused this? We can see this is based on cargo demand because congestion in Chinese ports has been relatively low. Positive signals have also been coming out of Brazil, where on the 23rd of March, the MRS Railway lifted a force majeure that had been in force, 
That's allowed an increase in iron ore shipments from there. C3 rates for iron ore cargo from Tiburao to Qingdao have risen from just under 21 bucks a ton to over $22. We've seen very healthy inquiry out of West Australia, too, across bauxite and iron ore, helping to drain some of those excess ballasters that have been heading into the Atlantic. Finally, positive signals on coal are emerging. Shipments of coking coal out of East Coast Australia, where shipments were up to 30.3 million tons in March. That's 16.5% up year on year. Shipments of thermal coal from Indonesia to India and China have also been increasing, with a number of those being carried on capes. This sounds incredibly bullish in the short term. Is that right? It is right, but beware when things look a little bit too good to be true. Ah, why, why do you say that? Well, I do see some red flags here that might limit the upside on Q2 and Q3. First off, Chinese steel production was really substantially up in the first two months of this year, up nearly 11 million tons on the same period last year. But reports last week indicated the Chinese government is still looking at ways to meet the so-called dual carbon goal announced by Xi Jinping way back in 2020. Reuters reported last week that this might include up to a 2.5% reduction in steel production in total for this year. We won't know until April when they release these steel target statements whether this is true. But given steel production has already started the year so high, even trying to keep it flat year on year would require production cuts for the rest of the year after April, let alone trying to achieve this 2.5% cut. So can you walk us through what congestion is and if that's something that we should be watching out for as well? For sure. Congestion at Chinese ports is seasonally much lower right now than it was at this time last year. So that means effectively there's more tonnage available since not as many ships are tied up waiting outside the ports, right? We can hope that healthy thermal coking coal shipments both absorb some of it. But if iron ore shipments were to slow at all, that would definitely cap an upside move here. Perhaps most ominously, new home construction in China, the key driver of steel rebar demand, which is one of the main sources of steel demand in China, was actually down 9.4% year on year in the first two months this year. So. Even though those mills have been restocking, even though they've been increasing production, just as they've been increasing production, we've seen one of the key drivers of steel consumption fall off by almost 10%. So that's something we need to watch. So it sounds like we'll be waiting for that announcement from China to see if construction picks back up. This announcement will determine how they see it if they want to try and cap steel production. So what about the paper market then? Actually, based on where the physical market's been going, we've seen a pretty steady rise on the paper market. Although given the extreme contango already present for May and June in particular, the futures have not been rising as fast as you might have thought. June Cape 5TC market is at the 23,225 value this morning on FIS Live. That's a rise of around 3,000 in the past week. While Q4 is at 21,000. Volumes are thinning out, I should say, as we head into the Easter holidays, so we're not seeing quite as much trading. So I haven't been here long, Carrie, but I definitely know that there's Capes and then there's Panamax. So what's going on with Panamax? (laughs) Indeed, indeed. (laughs) Well, the Panamaxes have also been looking relatively positive over the past week. In this case, it's been driven by the Atlantic Basin, for sure, where a decent cargo list has been set against a pretty thin tonnage list. Front haul and transatlantic routes have both been active. And better rates have been achieved across the board. We saw the 2A front haul index moving from $21,900 to 24320 over the past week, while TA rates moved up from sub $12,000 to 13380 However, we are now seeing the Pacific also begin to move upwards a little bit too. Can you guess why that might be? 
I'm assuming it's because of those coal exports you mentioned. Exactly. In fact, China made a surprise policy decision last week when merely one week before the original expiration date at end of March, the State Council Tariff Commission decided to maintain provisional zero import tax rates on coal imports. That's to support a stable, steady supply of coal. This zero import tax rate should now last through the end of this year and encourage more thermal coal imports. Indeed, as I mentioned in the context of the Capes, we've seen a pretty healthy flow out of both Australia and Indonesia, and this looks supportive for the Panamaxes too for now. It'll be interesting to see how much Russian coal exports to China increase in the coming weeks and months as well. NOPAC charterers are a little bit more relaxed for now, and this has kept rates in the East relatively steady, with the 3A pack rounds ticking up from around 14,000 last week to nearly 14,500 on the index. The paper market has actually been relatively sideways for the past week, with May 4TC Panamax futures marked at 17,425 today. That's only up about 300 bucks on the week. The Q4 did rise a little bit more, so we're seeing that back end well supported on the Panamax as people buy into it a little bit more. That's trading 16,300 this morning, up around 700 bucks on the week. And so just for our new listeners, yeah. can you tell us a bit more about what the head of business development actually does here at FIS? Well, as head of business development, my fundamental job is to seek out new business, seek out new clients and expand our markets. Right. But I also work a lot on listening for what new products are out there, what new products we should be focused on. And also, uh, I very much enjoy speaking at all these industry events, um, traveling around to meet our existing customers. So it's a it's a pretty broad ranging role. So should we be looking out for you at any of these events in the near future? Absolutely. Uh, the next one I'll be attending is uh, the Cobalt Institute Congress in Istanbul. That should be from the 8th to the 11th of May. All right, Carrie, you're going to bring me back some Turkish delight, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You heard it here first, folks. Well, thank you so much, Carrie. This was incredible. And uh, we'll hear from you next week. Thanks very much, Fernanda. Look forward to it. So that's it for us this week. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening. And I look forward to talking to you again next week as we continue to navigate the world of freight and commodities. 